Welcome to First Mile's Climate Heroes. I'm your host, Bruce Bratley, founder of recycling company First Mile. On this show, we meet and learn from the climate heroes who are building solutions right now to tackle climate change. Most business leaders want to act on climate change and often start by trying to measure and then reduce their emissions. But difficulties often arise since measuring impact and writing a net zero strategy is fraught with complicated language and standards for capturing carbon data can be obscure, particularly when this data originates in long supply chains. New language, lack of systems, inconsistent data collection, and reliance on suppliers for carbon data often stumps leaders looking to reduce their impact. Thankfully, this is changing, and my guest today has a solution which makes carbon management simple and intuitive, empowering companies to transition rapidly to net zero. Greenly, a fellow B Corp company, are using technology to assist businesses of all sizes to transition to live carbon accounting. And I'm delighted to be joined in this episode of First Mile's Climate Heroes by Greenly's founder, Alexis Normand. Alexis, welcome to First Mile's Climate Heroes. Hey, thank you. I'm excited to be here, Bruce. Nice to meet you. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for coming along. So, Alexis, I want to start off, really. Um, you've said in sort of your, uh, your, the, the way you describe things that the environmental field is stuffed full of consultants who are busy working on a multitude of assignments, but you're pretty critical of this bunch um, as a solution for businesses, arguing that ad hoc assignments for businesses is not the solution. Why is that? It seems to be a very lucrative market if you're an environmental consultant at the moment. I, I, know, I know lots of them. Why, why do you disagree? Well, I think originally the whole net zero strategy uh, consulting business was designed for large companies who are using consultants anyway. And because it requires so many changes, uh, that, that's how carbon accounting uh, came to be. But now uh, we're in a world where we have to accelerate this. Um, and essentially, I think carbon accounting needs to become universal. So if you look at different tiers of businesses, SMBs, mid-sized businesses, they don't have the budget, they don't have the time to find consultants. And there aren't enough consultants out there for every single company to start tracking its emissions. So I don't have anything against consultants per se. I was a consultant myself in my early career. But I think if we want to scale um, uh, carbon accounting, we need software, uh, software that consultants themselves will end up using um, if they don't want to be entirely disrupted. That's what I think. Yeah, well, I did like to be controversial on purpose. I love, I, I, I love all my friends who are consultants as well. And do you think we're sort of moving in the right direction there, or do we find, do, are we sort of because it's quite a fragmented market, carbon accounting, and there's lots of different. Uh, positions and standards and solutions, as I said in, in my introduction, and does it feel like we're moving in the right direction or do we feel like we're still in this sort of um, uh, sort of burgeoning field where there's more and more new stuff being invented or has it started to narrow down and we're actually getting into the, into the, into the nitty-gritty of it and, and are we starting to get standards or are we still sort of sprawling? Yes, I, I think uh, carbon accounting is getting to a point where it's actually pretty standardized in terms of methodologies, but you have to nuance that a little bit. I mean, essentially, you know, it's a discipline that was invented 20 years ago uh, when people started discussing uh, emissions reduction. 
So invented by consultants, actually perhaps one of the first standards that came about was the, the one from the ADEM uh, in France in 2004. That's where um, uh, things like scope one, scope two, scope three uh, came to be defined. Scope one being your direct emissions linked to you know, your energy expenditure within your walls, within your factory, with your company-owned cars, your AC, and so on. Scope two being the emissions linked to your energy um, uh, consumption. So what comes out of the utilities that provide you with electricity, essentially. And scope three being essentially everything else. So what you buy, uh, your supply chain, your uh, employee related emissions and so on and so forth. But but just to to add a little bit to that, uh, of course, as you said, it's in the nitty gritty side of things that things get complicated because then you need to agree on how you compute every sub 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 category. And here um, it gets complex because the way fundamentally uh, carbon accounting works is you quantify a company's activity and then you need to multiply that quantity. You know, how much electricity have I, am I using? Uh, we, by a what we call an emission factor. So it's a conversion ratio, basically, from, say, kilowatt hours to CO2. And this actually leaves consultants, leaves uh, standards with a lot of leeway in terms of what you want to be choosing as an emission factor. And that's not really standardized. You, you basically, it's up to you to pick the best emission factor. Okay, Do, for my electricity, should I use the average mix? Or should I use the wind farm that I'm purchasing from? You know, there, there are lots of um, questions in the details. And here, if we remain controversial, I think basically code is going to become law. So if you have a platform that starts to, to become massively used, everybody is basically going to be using their emission factors, their way of doing things. And it makes the whole reporting comparable. Whereas where you have consultants, you know, doing um, uh, their own thing in their own backyard, well, basically everybody has different assumptions on what should be counted, how it should be counted. And there's very little accountability of that, actually. Uh, And that's a problem because you you do want to compare businesses on performance, on getting to net zero, et cetera, et cetera. And is that, the, is that the fundamentals of carbon accounting, really? Because it's a bit like financial accounting. We have standards to make sure that everybody's counting money and, and, and calculating the balance sheets of businesses in a standardized way so we can compare them. And is the, is the difference between just sort of working out what your carbon footprint is, is different to actually accounting for it? So you're right. It's it's more complex than that. So I think first the the categories for carbon accounting have been defined. Uh, the subcategories have been defined as well. Uh, it's essentially the GHG protocol, uh, but it's also work in progress because you know they they have to get into more details and define more things. So it's in the details that um, you start to have complications. But it's also in terms of how extensive should that reporting be? Some countries will impose scope one and scope two reporting. Uh, some countries will say, okay, and you'll also uh, report your scope three, your indirect emissions. But some will say your most significant indirect emissions. Some will say all of it. So it's this materiality assessment, which is hard. So, so a lot of companies are would agree on the method, but they wouldn't agree on how far they should be reporting. So that's one thing that hasn't been standardized. Um, The European regulation, the CSRD, is going to bring some standardization to this. 
Uh, in the US, there's the SEC regulation coming um, hopefully next year, and it's been delayed. And one of the reasons it's been delayed is because there are about 5,000 US corporations uh, that are active in Europe, which will have to report on European standards. And the US uh, regulators don't want them to report two different things. So there's already a kind of, uh, you know, uh, cross-Atlantic harmonization happening here. So I think it's happening. But what's not happening is how extensive the reporting needs to be. And that still uh, basically requires a, a lot of standardization. And, you know, we ourselves, in a way, as a carbon accounting platform serving uh, now more than 1,000 customers, we are standardizing things, but nobody is really regulating us, you know. And is this going to help us with scope three? Because I think people are slowly getting their heads around scope one and scope two. But scope three, then it suddenly is just like you blow open this can of worms where you go, oh, my God, I need to find out what my supply chain is doing in you know, somewhere else in the, in, you know, in, in, in the world. And it then all starts to get a bit ropey. Um, and I think in the UK at the moment, nobody has to, scope three emissions are only, even for the biggest companies, voluntarily at the moment. So is it going to help us in the future? Is it is it going to become easier? Because it's definitely one of the things where our customers are sort of going, oh, scope three, don't really know what that is. Quite, quite like to do something, but it looks too difficult. No, that, that's a very good point. And, you know, the reason we're talking about all of this is because for most companies, indirect emissions linked to their supply chain is actually like 80, 85 percent of their emissions. So, you know, if you're a consultancy and you take the your consultant and you take an airplane all the time, uh, you know, all your emissions are with Delta Air, Airline or whatever or British Airways. Right. But uh, so they're not yours, but still you're you're responsible for them. Um, and if you're a tech company, it's your data center. So they're, they're with the energy provider that feeds the data center, but still it's linked to your consumption. So most emissions are with scope three and most companies don't report it. So uh, that's why this standardization is important. And the uh, let's just say that what's important is to extend that reporting so that to actually achieve real outcomes. So if you want the world to decarbonize, you, you want basically companies to consider not just uh, how much fuel they're burning within their own premises or how much electricity they're consuming. You want them to think about their whole, their entire impact. And, and you can frame it in terms of responsibility, you know, or you can frame it in terms of dependence. So if, you know, I have to, to thrive in a net zero world, can I still do business when so much of my supply chain is dependent on basically oil and gas uh, uh, consumption? You know, um, to, it's another way of putting it. So that's why this scope three reporting is important. And that's why um, we need to have better data. And your question is like, OK, it's super hard to uh, compute. Well, actually, it's not that hard to have a first rough idea of where the biggest elements of your indirect emissions are, um, and then basically have a multi-tiered approach where you focus on the most important sources of your emissions and you drill down. So let me explain. Say, uh, so we have a customer who's in the um, uh, automobile spare part business. So they make about, they make more than $10 billion uh, of purchases each year. So most of their emissions are in their scope three. So what we do is basically we sync up with their financial systems, uh, their ERPs, their accounting systems, and we scan, you know, uh, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of transactions. 
And through the merchant names and other smart techniques like that, we automatically categorize this stuff. Uh, and we say, okay, this you've spent a uh, hundred million buying steel, or you've spent uh, 50 million buying copper, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And you've also spent two thousand dollars buying Nespresso capsules. So now uh, you know on average what a dollar spent of copper is and a dollar spent of espresso is, right? And one you can roughly say is fifty percent of your emissions. And the other one is 0.0001% of your emissions. So you don't really need to be very accurate on counting how many Nespresso capsules you've purchased and what the emission of each capsule is. But on the other hand, now that you know that it's steel and copper, well, basically you want to go from what we call a um, spend-based approach. I've spent $100 million on steel to a activity-based approach. Okay, how many tons of steel is that? And so you focus on that and, and that's work, right? It's a journey. You have to go from a high level estimation to something more and more precise. And then you say, okay, it's a hundred thousand tons and a ton of steel is maybe five tons of CO2 on average. But now let me figure out which supplier is doing better than average. And let me figure out how I switch from to this better than average supplier. And that's how I decarbonize basically. So that's why it's important to have good data on your suppliers because that's how uh, basically supply chains are gonna choose who to work with. And that's how you achieve a uh, 30% reduction is by choosing the best people to work with basically. First Mile is the UK's leading waste management service. We help over 30,000 businesses reduce their carbon impact with our award-winning range of recycling solutions. Go to our website, which is thefirstmile.co.uk to get started today. If you're enjoying this episode, don't forget to subscribe. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday. We, we always do this. We dive into the detail and solving the problem and all the rest of it. But I want to step back out of that a second and tell me what Greenly do, because um, the, 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 there's clearly a solution emerging here to this difficult sort of a massively complex global issue of, of carbon accounting. But tell us about Greenly and how you came to be working on carbon accounting. Yeah, so I, I, I as for my background, you know, I, I spent several years uh, in digital health. Actually, uh, I, I got into tech through through Quantified Self. I started wearing a Fitbit, uh, counting my steps, and then I, I found this French company called Withings and began to work for them, uh, quantifying uh, uh, weight, blood pressure, steps, and so on. And I and I built the B two B business uh, of that company and selling into hospitals to prevent basically extra expenditures by, by you know, getting digital solutions to patients with diabetes or heart problems. And so that uh, led me to understand that you could create financial incentives with data for people to change their behavior uh, in a better way um, with, with real outcomes. Uh, after uh, that adventure, well, basically, we started the company saying we need to build the, the quantified self of carbon accounting. It, it's just like healthcare. We're, we're not obese in terms of kilograms or pounds. We're, uh, we're obese in terms of carbon. And it's too far away a problem for most people to change their behavior today. So we created an app uh, where you can quantify your carbons thanks to your, by syncing your bank accounts. 
Uh, but six yeah. months into building that, we, we pivoted because we say, okay, we're working on the wrong topic. I mean, changing individual behaviors is essential. People need to do it, uh, but they're not paying for it. They won't pay for it. And it's actually businesses that, um, uh, you know, have the most impact, have the most willingness to change, uh, have the budget as well, if we want to create a company. And then we looked at what was happening and it felt to us like basically most companies were being excluded out of the energy transition. There are about 25% of global emissions that are actually tracked and managed. So Big companies basically do it. Uh, sometimes they do it very well. Most often they don't. It's only a third of big public listed companies uh, that have a net zero strategy. So we basically decided to build a software that would make carbon accounting simple for SMBs uh, so that they too could take part in the energy transition. And that was three years ago. Making it simple means making it cheap, making it easy to use, making it easy to upload your data, uh, producing rapidly value. And three years down the line, we were basically supporting uh, about 1,500 businesses, basically. Uh, um, and that's through a, a combination of tech and also focus on creating a simple user experience. Yeah. And do you think that do you think that's all good and well? And I think you're, you know, what, what Greenly are doing is providing the structure and the systems and the uh, standards and the integrations, but fundamentally, if that data that's coming through is rubbish or made up, then is have you got any way or system of checking data? I mean, it's sort of coming back to the data and the standards issue, but do you have to take things ultimately on face value or are the people going out and checking supply chains? It's a great question. So so when we, we do two things, right? We do carbon accounting for SMB, mid-market companies. And here... Um, we have the complete audit trail of all the data that comes in. So if we're taking data from your accounting, uh, there's really no cheating because sometimes it's an API integration. It's, you know, we, we have basically backups and audit logs and proofs of every data source when we import inventories. There's some uh, stuff that's still like declaration-based. So there's always a bit of cheating that's possible, but like you can also cheat on your accounting books, right? So it's it's the same level of responsibility, but it's hard. And there's really little interest in doing so when you're actually, because it's too much work and, you know, there, there's no real um, fine for minimizing your, your emissions, right? But now when you're working with a procurement department, uh, what happens is, uh, they're reaching out to 15,000 suppliers and we're not always doing the carbon accounting of these companies. Sometimes we're just saying, do you, have you done it? Uh, do you have it? Uh, you have a net zero strategy. Are you using a renewable energy provider, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, people could say yes, 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 and get A plus in terms of uh, grading. Uh, but we ask for proof upload of that stuff. And of course, we're starting to get a lot of volume. So there you actually have to verify that companies are not lying. Because if you're a Chinese supplier and you want to keep doing business with a European company and you, you understand that this is important, you could have an incentive to lie, I suppose. So, so you have to upload proof. And I think what happened in the past is you had armies of people looking at the document so, of course, that's heavy work. So we're uh, implementing um, basically automated 
consistency checks uh, with basically bots reading the PDFs and stuff like that. And if there's something strange, uh, we have some of our guys looking at it. The final question sort of on this on this supply chain issue, really, which is sort of goes back to your previous career, Alexis, is if you're in health, you know, you can put you can put a, a Fitbit or another sensing device on humans and you start capturing data. But we can't really do that down the supply chain. And we know, you know, we've, we've effectively put numerous Fitbits on the planet by putting, you know, satellites and ocean sensors. And we know that we've got climate change, but that's sort of almost too late. Are you working on any sort of ways of helping the supply chain capture data or, or, or other companies that you know about? Because, you know, if you ultimately, if you get right down the supply chain of, say, you know, farmers growing things in West Africa for, you know, Unilever or Cadbury's or someone, you know, have they got are people giving them the tools to measure the data to feed back up into the supply chain? Because that's sort of ultimately where we end up is, we, you know, we end up with lots and lots of millions of micro businesses and we want the data from everyone really so no i i think it's a great point we we need source data you know uh with sensors to get more accurate information because it's not the same quality of information and it doesn't allow you to tailor an action plan as well when you have on the one hand a tracker on an individual machine in a factory and you know you want to reduce the energy spend of a factory and you need to to get to become super granular you want which machine which time of day you know things like this because that's how you actually improve and then in oil and gas it's you know oh it's your methane emissions and and you've done a back of the envelope computation but it's much better to actually have a a, a satellite you know checking this out and and i don't think companies are necessarily trying to cheat but it's hard to figure it out so you do need sensors you know uh, that, that uh, authenticate the, the data. So I think that's true in manufacturing. It's true in oil and gas. It's true wherever you have big sources of direct emissions. But I think it's a little different uh, when you're uh, a company down the supply chain uh, and you're in services, you're in banking, you're in uh, tech. Uh, for you, most when your emissions are mostly indirect, basically, you have to rely on reporting. Uh, so, so I think there's going to be a mix of both. If you're a big direct source of emissions, sensors for sure. So uh, if you're, uh, if most of your emissions are indirect, you all you can do is basically get the most possible accurate picture of your supply chain, which is by ne- necessarily secondhand data, right? Uh, and then decide on that. Are you finding surprising truths out there where we think we're all doing super green things and the right thing, and it actually turns out that it's not exactly how it is when we look at the facts and the data? So, so I think you know, on Tesla for sure, uh, EV uh, electric vehicles are an accelerator of the energy transition, no question asked. Some people don't like Tesla because it's seen as a car for the rich, and they would argue like you don't need cars or you need smaller electric vehicles, and you know I respect that. But I do think they have been a driving force for accelerating and that they uh, and I'm not talking about Elon Musk, who is a divisive figure and he's doing other things that are not so great with rockets uh, in terms of climate change. But EV vehicles, you have to give it to him. Uh, he's he's led. Uh, he's accelerated the energy transition for sure here. And not to admit that is is to me being a bit of a radical. Now, to the point, what he's really saying is it's his take on the whole ESG debate that is specific to the U.S., 
where it's like uh, he's good on the E, I suppose, right? He even gets carbon credit for the emissions, the environmental part. He's paid on quotas uh, by General Motors and Ford and so on. Uh, so it's part of his business to reduce emissions. Uh, it's probably even his profit margin. But it doesn't mean it's a great company to work for. You know, it doesn't mean there's equal pay between women. And, you know, it, uh, it doesn't mean he's work friendly. Uh, and I think probably the tobacco companies are better than this, which I think I tend to agree with uh, with the Economist said a couple of months ago is you have to on the ESG debate you have to the priority is the E and it's it, it should be emissions of course there are lots of problems in the world that we need to tackle but the most burning priority humanity has is emissions and you have to give it to them and then you know it's Elon he he's there to make buzz so whatever <laughs> carbon accounting then does it uh, does it cover social and governance do you have social accounting and governance accounting or are you just looking at carbon accounting and the s and the g needs to come out of another part of legislation or reporting so up to now we've done only the s and the g because oh sorry no uh, the contrary we done we did only the emissions part because uh we thought it was a difficult enough animal that we we really needed to 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 go deep uh and and you know when you're building a business it's all about figuring out what you need to focus on, right, uh, and, and doing only that. But what's happening now is there's the CSRD legislation uh, that's coming out in 2024. And so the, the whole product for a lot of companies will not just be reporting their emissions, but their emissions plus all the other stuff that the CSRD is asking for. And when you look at the list, it's actually pretty easy compared to carbon to report, okay, am I good on equal pay? How does my uh, governance look like? Uh, what's my uh, water expenditure? So what we're going to be doing is essentially uh, adding an app to our carbon accounting SaaS where you can report extra metrics. So it's not going to be for everyone, but those that are doing this strictly for CSRD will have the possibility to declare extra stuff. Uh, so it, it, there's less tech involved in declaring, you know, uh, gender equality. Not that they're not important. It's just less of a tech challenge. Um, so that's all great from a, a sort of global big supply chain issue. And um, we're both B corporations. We recently got our accreditation. Can Greenly help businesses become a B corp, or do you not need Greenly to to work through being a B corp? Or if you have it, would it be a lot quicker? Yes. You know, B Corp is about uh, people, um, uh, planet, profit, right? It, it's uh, it's a way of saying that a business uh, is checking a lot of boxes in terms of E, S, and G. So you can be a good B Corp without being good in the environment because you treat your people extremely well and, you know, you share uh, the value creation and so on. But and it's a system of points, right? So if you want to be B Corp, you have to pass the bar. And I think the, the points that are being uh, given out for uh, sustainability are gaining in weight year over year. So for sure, we uh, carbon accounting, carbon disclosure, carbon action gives you a lot of B Corp points. And it definitely accelerates the possibility to get the, the accreditation. In fact, a lot of our customers come to us as part of B Corp. So it's uh, uh, when it's not the supplier, uh, when it's not because you're a supplier to a big company, it's because you're a, 
a B2C company or something and you want to be B Corp and okay, yeah, disclosing my emissions is the a, a more rapid way to, to pass the bar, basically. On this show, we're building a Hall of Fame for climate heroes, and we always ask our wonderful guests to leave something in First Mile's Climate Heroes Hall of Fame. So, what or who would it be? Yeah, I, I'd recommend, uh, as a climate hero, Cedric Meston. He's the co-founder of Happyvore. They're doing a, a vegan meat, and I truly believe it's, a, it's, a, it's an alternative, so something that emits a lot. That's fantastic. That is good to know. So, Alexis, super interesting conversation. What's coming up that you can tell us about that's uh, exciting on your horizon? So, uh, you know, at Greenly, we, we've been focused on serving a lot of customers on scaling carbon accounting. And, and one thing we've learned is that, you know, uh, people are not coming for carbon accounting in general. Uh, they're coming to us for deep sector level expertise on what their biggest emissions are and how they can reduce them. And that has forced us to uh, launch new features of our product. So, you know, if you're a tech company, uh, quickly you realize that your biggest single source of emissions is your cloud. If you're a food company, it's obviously the ingredients that you buy. Uh, If you're an EV charging company, it's how you build your stations and so on. And so to serve uh, these customers, you have to build apps, basically, that uh, are tailored to that specific source of emission. And so we've built so many of these apps, we didn't even know there were apps until we, we realized that they were. So now we're launching basically an app store, uh, or uh, another way of putting it is a marketplace of sector level specific um, calculators. So if you're in the events industry, you want to figure out the emissions of the CES, you know, uh, if you're uh, and the reason you need this extra granularity is because with these calculators, you can actually break down the different sources of your emission and then figure out how to go real deep into reducing them. So this is coming out basically uh, end of June uh, 2023. And it's not just a Greenly thing proposing more calculators. It's actually something we are going to be opening up to a developer community so that we become a marketplace for all things uh, carbon related. Brilliant. That sounds fantastic. And it's uh, I definitely recommend people checking out your website, even if they just want to do some learning around um, carbon accounting and carbon emissions because your help is is excellent. Alexis, how do, how do people find you? What is the website? You can find Greenly very easily. Just you know, uh, Google us Greenly or uh, type in the address uh, Greenly.Earth, like uh, Mother Earth. Perfect, thank you, Alexis. It's been absolutely fantastic. You're having you as a guest on First Miles Climate Heroes and hearing all about carbon accounting. And uh, as I said, I definitely recommend the listeners check out your website Greenly.Earth to find out all about carbon accounting. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Bruce. And, you know, I don't consider myself a climate hero, but I want my customers to become uh, climate heroes. So hopefully uh, uh, we'll, we'll get more of them on their way to net zero. I'm Bruce Bratley, and you've been listening to First Miles Climate Heroes, where we meet incredible people making an impact to tackle climate change. 
If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and subscribe to the show. We have brand new episodes every Wednesday.